Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Krakovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, good morning. Good morning, Leon. Uh, all, all well? Well, all's well in my world. It's always uh, bright lights on Leon Science. You know that regardless. Uh, we've got positive attitudes. But I'll tell you something. Remember the old days? Now, and when I say old days in football, there was a broad perception that, you know, footballers were all airheads. You know, uh, and what's changed? Played Timmy. Oh no, there's the odd exception, but predominantly the uh, the rule of thumb is that they, you know, they've got a level of uh, acumen that uh, is enough to uh, negotiate some uncharted waters in the real world. But the point I'm trying to make to you, Leon, uh, there's there was that broad perception that they were, uh, yeah, played too many games without their helmets and you know all those disparaging comments when you you know athletes, but. As this guy defied all that trend when we speak to our next guest. Yes, well, cool. you're referring to Grant Thomas, who not only played the game, but of course coached it and uh, is a fearless commentator. Uh, Grant, good morning, sir, and thanks for joining us on Sport and Life. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Leon. Pleasure to be here. Now, um, I uh, went to Google, of course, which is the, <laughs> the obvious place for getting information. Some of it's right. But... Um, you're one of a number of sports guys that went to St Bede's in Mentone. Yes, um, not often, but I did go there. I did attend on occasion. Um, didn't do too well in the exams. I failed. Uh, I heard what you said on the way in, Sam, and um, uh, I failed uh, matriculation there. Didn't even attend one of the tests. Uh, wasn't a good scholar. I was always on the front oval having a kick and during the footy career, I missed all of those hard knocks, Sam, because I had the innate ability to um, avoid <laughs> collisions, and therefore I didn't have any... So I won't be filing any uh, concussion suits against the AFL, <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, 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 just fast forward a bit, because we've got a whole lot of stuff in between times, but you started a bank, if I remember correctly, and uh, so how would... A, a guy that failed my trick, that would be an unusual combination. Well, I, I, after I um, got um, unmercifully terminated at St Kilda, I, I decided to um, uh, continue in the corporate world and I started up a business with a business partner who was, uh, well, he's a nerd, uh, Dom Pym, a, a great guy, great mate of mine still, uh, 20 years younger, but he um, was right at the cutting edge of technology and I had a few clues on um, business and uh, strategy and ha how to do things, which uh, were a good compliment with a yin and the, yin and the yang, if you like. And uh, um, so we embarked on a technology company, which we built the world's first online grain trading exchange, which we sold at the New Zealand Stock Exchange back in, gee whiz, 2009, eight. Uh, then we started another technology company and uh, built Bendigo Bank's mobile banking platform. So most, most of what you see or deal with online with Bendigo was built by our company, Ferocia. And then five years ago, we wanted to build Australia's biggest and best digital bank uh, up. And uh, we built that five years ago and uh, sold the company, Ferocia, including up to Bendigo Bank 18 months ago. I reckon I reckon they just about endorses my initial comments about there's a distinct correlation between acumen and footy, <laughs> and he's the he's, he's the tangible evidence of it all. Yeah, I, <laughs> if only I understood what he said. Sam's <laughs> going to go uh, into the footy, uh, but just did you say grain uh, in the first business that you started? 
That's right, yes. Would you, I don't know how involved you were with the actual grain companies, but my cousin, Ray Brooks, was very big in grain. Yes, uh, that would have been Chris Brooks's brother, I would have thought. No, uh, father. Father. Yeah. Correct, correct. And and we we were very heavily involved with Chris, great guy, pilot, used to fly me around a bit, Brooksy, and... Uh, take me to a few of the grain growers uh, Brooksy was CEO of um, Glencore and a, a real mover and shaker in the industry and the whole family had been obviously and uh, and he was a real supporter of um, of uh, clear grain exchange as well. well. Thanks for clearing it up, a bit personal but uh, we'll get back to the footy I Well guess. it's pretty interesting. Where are you going to take us Sam? Well I thought we won't, won't start at the beginning that's a pretty good start, don't you, to start from? <laughs> Sounds like a song. <laughs> now, Grant, uh, I've got to... Can we skip a few things? <laughs> well, no, do you know me? I'm, I'm well-versed in the art of diplomacy, me, mate, oh. let me assure you. <laughs> right for the jugular, me. Now, uh, let me tell you, do you like lamb for a start? Do you eat lamb? Oh, I'd love lamb. I, I, I saw this guy on television doing an advertisement for it, and ever since then I've just done nothing but eat lamb. Oh. Well, I've got to tell you, your bank might be pretty big, but let me tell you this. <laughs> now, Grantley, uh, I've got to say one thing. Uh, it's probably the most, one of the most more convoluted passages in football from a playing perspective because you've been, you know, through uh, uh, St Kilda and then uh, Fitzroy, North Melbourne. But the interesting part that I found about your career, everywhere you went, you know, you were highly regarded with your uh, with your create with your creativity, because you know you, you presided at North Melbourne as a chairman of selectors. You were assistant at uh, a couple of places. You uh, sat on the board, uh, and ultimately became the coach in two thousand six, I think it was, or t- in two thousand one. You took over after they sacked Blighty, did they not? But uh, hang right. on, a wonderful coach yeah. down at Warrnambool. Oh, no, we'll get back there. Absolutely. Yeah, after you left, okay, we'll get back. Oh, I apologise. Because he went back to the Hampton League at Warrnambool and uh, four premierships in five years, I think it was, was it, Grant? That's right, yes. Which ultimately just, was a, was just a, had a reunion at my farm in Joanna on Sunday with about 18 of them, which um, the stories have grown. I think I kicked a 70 metre goal in one final down there. And after all these reunions, I think it's about 112 <laughs> yeah. metres the ball went now. <laughs> They'll get bigger. But they're wonderful days, I guess. In those days on reflection, and I, uh, uh, excuse me for leaving the uh, that Warrnambool component out of the equation, but. You know, that was the ultimate thing that, you know, obviously led you into the uh, foray of coaching, was it not? You were highly regarded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, most of my fundamentals around coaching uh, and management uh, were b- born out of the Warnable experience. I mean, country people are, have a magnificent um, spirit and nature about them and, and they're all, you know, very caring and um, understanding and, and they lock on to a purpose and they do it all together, whether it's through tragedy with fires or whatever, whether it's in the daring industry and all helping each other. Uh, but uh, I, I really enjoyed my time there and, um, you know, was able to uh, cobble together some fundamentals that uh, I thought would be uh, very conducive to football. Yeah, and you've always very innovative as well. I remember uh, you created all these new philosophies processes and outcomes you know what was all that about you know no one ever spoke like that you know i was raised in a diet of you know go and get the pill and you know the sticks are up there and get it up there as quick as you can 
Yeah, look, I, I was really surprised at how unsophisticated footy was, and I know it's only a, it's a sport and a basic game, but uh, I, I'm always interested why business gets sports people, footballers, to go and talk to them about you know motivation and strategy and all these sorts of things, and it should be the other way around because business has been around for hundreds of years, and I think. Um, I think there's a lack of some of the key fundamentals in business in football, which is coming in now. I think over the last 20 years, it's developed a lot. Whereas, um, you know, back when I sort of got more heavily involved at the turn of this millennium, I I was really surprised at the lack of uh, sophistication, the lack of leadership, the lack of fundamentals uh, relating to... Uh, you know, what I think are the core components of being successful. And it's not just a matter of picking the best team and putting them out there and thinking you're going to win. Um, I mean, I've said recently, uh, in, people ask me about St Kilda, and I just think, well, St Kilda just isn't in the premiership business. And in an AFL, you've got probably two-thirds of the clubs that are just happy playing AFL and they're in survival mode and they just play year to year. And you've got four or six or eight clubs that are always in the premiership business and every appointment they make, every decision they make, every uh, strategy they implement is all about winning a premiership, nothing else. And that's what footy is in AFL. I mean, you're in a premiership business. You're not selling, um, you know, shoes or anything else. You're, you're, it's a premiership business. And I, I think that uh, needs to be the key focus. And I just didn't see that there was a lot of connection between... Uh, processes and uh, things that were happening and that as an as an outcome of winning a premiership so yeah I just was trying to connect those dots Grant can you stop there I've got Leon in tears Leon we got as you know Prasad <laughs> Avid nasty we won one in 44 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now explain this to me yeah, I'm a mere layman as you know a migrant son so uh, sometimes I get a, a bit confused you once said in an interview, the club is what I'm about. Can you just uh, scale that back a bit for me? Um, yeah, what I meant by that, I mean, there was a lot of focus around, I suppose, me, because people thought they were doing, I was doing weird things like uh, we, St Kilda Footy Club, started the AFL community camps and um, we started overseas tri- trips, training camps, overseas training camps, London, South Africa, China. Uh, we did a lot of, you know, the leadership group uh, stuff and rotation captaincy and everything. And I just thought the focus, because of those decisions, was on me. And whilst there's a lot of ridicule and all the rest of it, it was more about me saying, hang on, this is about St Kilda Football Club and making a statement and letting people know because we didn't have a good brand. We were regarded as a basket case and um, we had delivered one premiership by one point in 50-odd years. So, um, you know, our, our history wasn't great. And like similar to RJ and Mickey Arlett and all those guys at North and you, got, you Kecker, I mean, North got into the premiership business in, in you know, the late 70s, uh, mid to late 70s, and they won a couple. Um, but before then, it might have been questionable whether they were in the premiership business. So it was, it was all about that uh, and it was all about... Um, making sure that uh, St Kilda could improve its brand and start to be respected because I know we were not respected. We weren't respected when I played there. We weren't respected when I started coaching there and all. You know, you can only earn respect through time and performance and I just felt that we had to do some certain things to earn the respect within the uh, um, within the industry. So it was more 
talking about that, I suppose. Did you have a hero, uh, Grant, somebody that you looked up to in the coaching business that you perhaps, you, you know, um, wanted to emulate? Well, I, I sort of didn't because I had a really frustrating playing career. I had one or two half-decent years and finished at 27 with my knees weren't too good. I remember when we were at, I was at Fitzroy, uh, your, your great club, and uh, um, Wolsey um, was coaching and we got um, we were training at Collingwood and Collingwood wouldn't let us train this night because it was completely waterlogged the ground and they wanted it nice for themselves so they kicked us off so Wolsey you know this is, this is in you know all VFL at that stage but <laughs> here we are we're not allowed to train and uh, so Wolsey put us in this rickety old bus and took us out to Fairfield and the uh, eight supporters that may have been at training came out and followed the bus put put headlights or you know the headlights around the ground so we could train and I um, stepped in one of the potholes in the run-throughs to start training did my knee and that was sort of the end of me but um, uh, but that, that that was sort of what it, what it was like uh, back in the days but look I had a lot of respect for Rob Walls's coach um, but you take little pieces out of each of them but it was it was more about um, I, I just felt that a coaching all through my career wasn't where I thought it should have been. It was a lot about footy, whereas I think footy's the outcome. I think we can all play because why? We're drafted or we're, we're recruited to a club, so, you know, tick. <laughs> you can all play football. It was more about, you know, your, your, your mental preparation, your connection with the team, your your leadership. Uh, to me, it was all about those things uh, were the most important things. Uh, you know, you can, you can get your strategy and tactics 100% right but if you don't get your attitude and effort right you won't win whereas alternatively if you get your attitude and effort 100% right and you don't get your strategy and tactics right you know what you might win all the time but you're going to give yourself the best chance so I thought there was an imbalance there of coaching uh, I think Dennis Pagan was an outstanding coach he's probably one of the best ones I've, I've, I've seen um, but um um, so I didn't have a hero per se, but they definitely sort of take little bits out of each. But I also thought that there was a big gap in uh, where I thought coaching should be. And I suppose uh, maybe I pulled the wrong lever, but, you know, that's what I got ridiculed a lot for, for doing a lot of those things differently. But, um, you know, they were working for a while. Now, you played a touch under 100 games. You started way back at St Beads. You played at Frankston YCW. Way back in those very, very young days, were you thinking about perhaps being a coach or a, an official in football at some stage? Where, or some people are like that. No, no, never, never, never the slow, you know, thought it was anything I'd do. And, and look, to be honest, to... to uh, it was only Artie Wilson's relationship with the Warrnambool Footy Club, you know, late, the late Artie um, Leon, yep. and um, uh, his relationship with Warrnambool Footy Club uh, that um, a, a business opportunity came up there, down there, and um, um, uh, coincided with the Warrnambool Footy Club, and 
I was never um, weeks before the phone call thinking oh, I'm going to go coaching. It wasn't something that entered my head. It was more sort of I wanted to sort of get involved in business. But uh, so I did the coaching and, and, and that went well and I really thrived on it and enjoyed it and uh, it sort of all came from there. And then I came back and, and as you said, I was... Uh, um, um, chairman of selectors at North Melbourne and helped in the process of appointing uh, Dennis as coach with Greg Miller and uh, I helped Stan Alves in his first year for for half the year there um, and um, that ended in tears and then uh, uh, I sort of came back into St Kilda because you know I was really frustrated with their performance and uh, lack of success and I was sick and tired of everyone complaining about St Kilda and I thought well I better do something about it. So that's how it all started. And uh, um, but I'd, there was never any premeditated idea. I mean, even when I started coaching St Kilda, I mean, until I went to that fateful uh, meeting at the restaurant at the Flower Drum with uh, the, the president, CEO, and yes. the footy manager, and everything else. I, um, I that was the first first time I was ever um, had the uh, idea that you might be coaching. I was going to be coaching. Tell me, Grant. Uh you know, I've the short time I've known you, and I've spoken to a lot of people about you, and we have a mutual friend in Ron Joseph. One of your admirable traits is your forthright and honesty. There's no doubt about that. But as you know, in this uh, contemporary world, that sometimes doesn't doesn't rest easy with a lot of people, and it grates a lot of people, and it sometimes polarizes you. And yeah. in, in all your positions, you know, even at the uh, allegedly at North Melbourne, you sat in as a chairman of selectors. At St Kilda, they said it, you know, when you sat on as, as chairman of selectors or head of football, whatever the title was at St Kilda with Alves, there's always that perception that, you know, you're eroding into their territory and, you know, you're half pie trying to, you know, uh, yeah. cut the grass from their face. And you would have heard that yourself, which I would imagine would be very annoying from a guy who's genuinely got his heart and soul behind the bigger picture. And yet to be. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I heard it all the time, but it wasn't annoying at all because one thing I learned very early in life uh, as an early teenager is if um, if something's not true, you don't worry about it, and if something is true, you do something about it. And I I've lived with that all my life, and it's helped me enormously. And I, I laugh at it. I think it's funny. Um, uh, to be honest, when people think that. You know, I've been uh, I've been sort of uh, accused of sacking Shimmer. I've been accused of, of <laughs> sacking Stan. I wasn't even there. I've been accused of sacking um, Blighty. Um, you know, I've been uh, lots of accusations. Um, but look, I, I rest very easy with all the decisions. I gave my heart and soul to all of the roles, and um, I provided advice and input. Uh, without fear or favour, and if they didn't like it, that's okay. But exactly. um, you know, I, I understand. I don't have a filter in relation. If someone asks me a question, I don't have a filter, fortunately or unfortunately. And uh, that's uh, I, you know, I, I provide a lot of mentorship and a lot of advice to a lot of people, and maybe that's why they want it because they want to hear the truth, and uh, I expect that off people as well, and. Uh, you know, I know that sort of fifty percent of people think, yeah, okay, he's half okay, and I think fifty percent of the people say, no, he's a dickhead. I don't like him, and that's that's okay. That's that's, that's just a real so, world, mate. But, but let know, me tell you, you never get into trouble telling the truth. Tell me the interesting thing with St Kilda, and you're right. St Kilda, you look at the history. Of this 
there's roadblocks and hiccups all around their history, but that <laughs> 2001 year with blight, because I remember, you know, they went to extreme levels. They hounded him all around Australia. I think they trapped him in one of the uh, waterways in Queensland when they finally got him to sign for yeah. some preposterous figure at the time, a million or whatever it was. It's irrelevant now, but they must have been unbelievable times, which ultimately led to his sacking. must have been, you know, and you were there at the time. You know, all the fanfare that was uh, surrounded the signing of him and then all of a sudden to go pear-shaped almost within weeks, I found quite astounding. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I was um, trying to find a coach because, you know, Tim Watson had um, t- resigned twice and the second time I just knew that he, he just didn't want to do it, so that's fine, we let him go. I talked him out of it the first time and then um, I went to the other, what, I think there were 16 clubs at that stage, I went to the other 15 coaches and they all they all said thanks but no thanks. Some of them just laughed at me. Uh, so I tried the... Uh, all of them couldn't, and I, and I had Blighty as a bit of a confidant, and I used to meet with Mal- Malcolm and just go through the list and talk about people, and, and, uh, and either, either deliberately or not deliberately, it sort of came, he said, oh, there's only one guy to do this, and that's me, and, you know, you, know, Bly- you two know Blighty uh, <laughs> as well as I do, he's not uh, not shy in his own ability, and, uh, and he had the score on the board, and I said, would you do it? And he said, he said uh, yeah, it gets pretty, he said, I can't believe your passion and your energy and your desire to make St Kilda successful, and I, I've been really excited by that over the last few months, so yeah, I'd, be, I'd, I'd, I'd have a look at it. And with the million dollar thing, that was he wanted to be a million dollar coach, so we, yeah, sure, we paid him a million, but it was part of his, well, I think he had a three-year contract at the time, and we just decided to pay him that much up front as part of it. So if he got, if he got one and a half for three years, well, he got one million up front and 500 for, you know, three yep. years or two years. But so it was, it was a little bit of uh, play on, um, on uh, uh, Blighty's emotions and what he liked. And it, and I thought uh, the guys, the, the players loved him. Um, they uh, were very respectful of him and he taught them heaps. His, his educational coaching was outstanding. But there was a disconnection between him and a few parties at the club uh, in relation to how he was going about things. They weren't happy with and worried about. And, um, and then, you know, after round 15, uh, there was a couple of incidents leading up to that and uh, the rest is history and... Uh, Bloody's out, and I'm in. I think his golf handicap might have worried a few. Did that? <laughs> <laughs> you what? Uh, Hello, you there? <laughs> yes, mate, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, that's Blighty. Well, um, we all know and love Blighty. He's a wonderful, engaging guy. Yep. But uh, that was really strange, and so was the Tim uh, case. Uh, I. I yeah, really unusual to happen to the same club and almost a repeat performance. Uh, Tim Watson, you're saying? Yeah, Tim Watson and, yeah, yeah, and, and well, Blighty. Because he won about the first eight games, didn't he, when he coached? He was a superstar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, Andrew Plimpton uh, recruited Tim and I might have been a bit of love child in that. Um, he loved him. Andrew loved him. and uh, But Tim wasn't cut out to coach. He just, it became very obvious to me as soon as I got there and having chats with Tim, he just uh, he just was never completely comfortable with that role and didn't really enjoy it. Um, but I think he had a crack at it and did a, made a good fist of it uh, for a while, but he sort of um, wanted to opt out halfway through the year and I went around to his, he rang me late one night, 11 o'clock, I went around to his house and... 
we sort of resolved that and, um, you know, told him I'd give it, I'd be giving him every bit of support between now and the end of the year and helping him as much as I could, which I did. Uh, and then about um, towards the end of the year, he said, mate, <clears throat> I, I know you're going to try and talk me out of it again, but uh, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm uncooked. I can't do this. I'm not. I'm not suited to it, and I don't. I don't actually enjoy it. So, uh, um, you know, there was components of it that he loved, and components of it that he obviously excelled at. But just the overall package of coaching, it didn't sit uh, great with Tim. And um, yeah, so he uh, decided to uh, resign at the end of the year. To his credit, because it takes a brave decision to do that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what made us then go on in search of a of, of a coach and ended up with Blighty. You're on Sport and Life, and our guest today with Sam Kakovich and Leon Wigard is Grant Thomas. And uh, Grant, just a, a, a little brief mention of the amateurs. You went to coach the old Zavs. Now, a good mate of ours, Barry Richardson, of course, is a coach of the old Zavs, and he loves them. What do you think of the amateurs? Look, I did it for a mate of mine um, uh, passed away a couple of years ago. In fact, uh, Maury Plant, who uh, oh, yeah. had the uh, athletic event named after him the other week. Uh, Planty was uh, a great mate of mine. Keki would have known him from Adidas days with EJ. Yeah. And um, uh, Planty, uh, I'd just gotten back from uh, uh, Warnable and um, they had just got into A grade and they kept going up and down, up and down, up and down. And they'd go up and then get uh, knocked down the next year or whatever. So Planey said, look, you know, can you come and give them, give them a hand? I said, look, I'll give you 12 months. Um, that's not what I want to do, but, you know, because uh, of my relationship with Murray, I said I'd give them 12 months and try and set the scene for, for them. And I, I got there and it was pretty obvious pretty quickly. It's amateurs, and I understood that, but they were very, uh, you know, country footballers and amateurs too, but they, there was complete... Um, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, <clears throat> clear difference in how they approach their footy. Um, very, very um, social, which um, probably a bit like St Kilda Football Club was. Um, but they, 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 they didn't seem to have the the structure in place and the leadership in place and a lot of those cultural things in place to to uh, lean on when things were getting a bit hard during winter and everything else and. Uh, so I had a year there and uh, it, was, it was a great year. We stayed in A grade and we set the scene for a lot of the programs that they continued on with. And I think the year after or so, they won, what, seven of the next 10 premierships. So, and look, they had a reunion uh, uh, early, uh, sorry, late last year and then <clears throat> invited me along and, and um, you know, said that's where it all started. So, you know, that was, that was nice to hear. We did a lot of hard work that year to, and it was against against a lot of uh, people within the club because within the amateurs it's sort of like oh it's our place where we go to have fun sort of thing but there's a balance between that and actually um, you know trying to be successful because I think it's hard to have fun unless you're successful you know the other thing about Xavier you can't have much fun (laughs) and the other thing about Xavier you would have recognised very Quickly upon arrival, there they've got a bigger salary cap than St Kilda would have had. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Oh, please. Absolutely, oh, absolutely, please. absolutely. See where the school is on the highest grade. All the what about the Vatican? Uh, anyhow, this is, <laughs> they, they they haven't won an AFI game for years. It's not, a theolo- it's not a theological program, by the way. <laughs> this is life and sport. Uh, 
Now, you also, well, we have skimmed over, you know, we've talked about your uh, presiding over St Kilda, but we, we haven't touched on the level of success you had. You know, you had some wonderful players there, of course, you know, the Lowe's, the Burks, the Harveys, the Gehrigs, and, of course, the Hamels, even though he was injured at times, but... Uh, and you in uh, premier, you know, you played in grand finals, and also uh, no, you didn't play in grand final. You had uh, two or three years as in preliminaries, did you not? Preliminary finals. Yeah, yeah. We we um, I took over in 01 and coached the last seven games after Blighty left, and then two thousand and two, I think we won only won about five games, but we were really competitive and changed our approach and attitude very dramatically and started to earn some respect and then we just missed out on finals the following year I think we were 11 and 11 and then we um, um, we won uh, that pre-season thing and um, made the prelim in 04 prelim in 05 and then got knocked out in a final in 06 and then um, you know sacked after that he was, he was fact, one of, one fact, of three. In the last three years I coached, yeah. uh, someone told me uh, a few years ago that no no team won more games than St Kilda in uh, 2004, 5 and 6. <laughs> 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 um, uh, we won more games than any other team, but we didn't win a premiership. Well, you were one of three coaches only of St Kilda's history that got him into three successive finals. Yes. The other two yes. being? Well, well, two at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, Yabby Jeans yeah. and who was Ross Lyon. Rossi oh. Lyon, who's back. Yeah, but Ross hadn't started then, so no. there's only there's only two of me, me and Yab. And in, in fact, I was surprised to hear that after the six years of coaching that I was the second longest serving coach in St Kilda's history, which told, tells you a little bit about the club too, I now, suppose. Now, I've got two more things I want to ask you before Leon chipped you. I want to ask you one thing. Because after all that level of service and uh, all the wonderful work you did, it, it's, it, it is amazing that you left on those terms that you did, on uh, less than savoury terms. Uh, you know, the tissues were full of you and Rod Butters and the old occasion you had, and he said this, you said that, they said this, and, you know, it just ended up in a complete bonfire. That, that must have taken a little bit of the gloss of your association yeah it did I suppose it's been the legacy of all that is that I've got a problem with St Kilda Footy Club and I never have had never will have um, I love love the club and uh, St Kilda didn't sack me uh, the president did and there's no doubt I had a, a very unsavoury uh, relationship with him for the last three years that I was coaching there and um, um, that that sort of impacted a, a fair bit uh, on how things were going and, um, you know, he had uh, every right to do what he wanted to do and uh, when he when he had all the cards in his pack as president, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't know I was a coach and, uh, you know, he just uh, pulled out the joker one day and, and said, that's it, you're out of here. You pack your caravan so, and get out of here. Tell me, what about that controversial match of Frio in 2006 when you lost two points and lost your, you know, you cost you a spot in the top four, I think, in your double chance. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. What happened there? That was a, that was a weird game. Um, obviously, finishing with uh, 
I think <clears throat> finishing with, with uh, a draw that uh, they took the points off because of the siren. It was called Siren Gate, and Steve right. Baker had a shot to win the game. Uh, thank God he didn't kick the goal on reflection, and because if we would have won the game, that would have made it harder. But he kicked a point to level the scores, and but the siren had gone. I don't know if it had gone a minute early, but it had gone you know a long time earlier. And um, well and truly, <laughs> and no, 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 nobody had had heard it. And uh, the rule at the time was that the game doesn't stop until the umpire hears the siren and acknowledges it and puts his hand up. It doesn't matter That's when right. the siren starts. That was the rule then. So te- technically, um, our QC uh, at the time, you know, they all said, "Listen." The, the, the AFL cannot take the, the, the here's the rule it is black and white and uh, you, 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 they cannot take the points off you but our our, um, our our club was quite intimidated by our friend Andrew and um, the AFL so they didn't uh, do anything yeah. and, and, and we know logically and technically that was right but the rule stated that you know so they then changed the rule straight after that incident to say that the um um, the game stops when the siren, siren sounds. Now, yeah. Grant, uh, after all of this, you had a brief siesta and you found your way into the media. And I must confess, you're compulsory reading in the age and uh, you're very forthright in all your comments on TV and uh, on, uh, on that footy... Classified? Footy classified. Now, I remember vividly uh, you called the chief football writer Caroline Wilson on the radio show once, and I think it was uh, SEN. You allegedly called her a liar. Not allegedly, you did call her a liar, which ultimately led to your uh, imminent dismissal. Uh, yeah. And what was the uh, and what was the circumstance surrounding that? Can you elaborate on that for me? Oh, look, it was quite petty, to be honest. I mean, um, um, like. Um, it was an article about Luke Ball. I'd written an article about Luke, and Caroline had written an article about Luke, and you know something was brought up and said about that, and and um, you know I think I, at the time I said, yeah, well, you know, I know Luke Ball like like one of my kids. I've <laughs> um, I've known him since he was 17 years of age, and uh, um, I've been through a hell of a lot with him, and I know him back to front, and uh, I so I can tell you that what I've what I've written is the facts, and what Caro wrote is lies and innuendo, which at the time it was. So uh, um, they weren't they weren't factual, and um, um, yeah, but um, she wasn't that happy with that, Caro, and um, uh, went into the editor and uh, told him how what should happen, and. Uh, uh, they were a bit slow in contacting me because I remember I was driving down the freeway and I got a phone call and I picked the phone up and it was the Herald Sun and they said, Grant, we're just after a comment. I said, a comment about what? They said, oh, a comment about your second from the age. <laughs> so the Herald Sun actually told me that I got, uh, got sacked. But um, uh, it wasn't a badge of honour, but gee, it was pretty close getting that. Uh, yeah, you, you could think of someone else, someone... It'll easier on your tail and on your uh, part of your posse than Caro, if she sets uh, <laughs> sets your sights on you. Look, I, I you know, she's great. Uh, I like Caro. Caro. I a lot of people fully classified mm. and all the rest of it. I mean, she obviously trailblazed for women in media and all the rest of it. And uh, and yeah, there's some a lot of people have had a lot of blues with her over time. But uh, she's ultra professional. Says what she thinks. Yeah, and exactly, you got to respect for, for that. 
Well, uh, I tell you what, Leon, uh, you could talk for hours, couldn't you, with this guy? He's just interesting. On cove. All... Sorry, a very interesting character. Well, you know, he's an interesting character. Uh, Grant, uh, I don't know if I can break this to you, but I will. Uh, we have a mutual friend, which you would also call as a good friend, called Jerry La- Jerry Ryan. Oh, thanks. Yeah. He sat on the board uh, at St Kilda. Treasure. Uh, Jerry's uh, uh, sponsors our show, not that we're in it for the commercial aspect. We just enjoy talking to people of your ilk. But as part of your contribution, uh, Leon, who's in charge of distribution, <laughs> we allocated a number of... Uh, Jerry's uh, product, uh, you may know. I, I might Mitchell- get Caro's solicitor, I think. <laughs> Mitchelton uh, Winery, and we, as you know, produce some of the best reds, the print and a host of others, and, of course, now uh, the acquiral of another uh, wonderful winery in the uh, in the uh, Yarra Valley. St Hubert's. St uh, Hubert's, it's called now, to drop the saint. Yep. I don't know why. No, no, the saint's still alive. The saint's still alive. Yeah, the saint's come marching in. The saint's come marching in. <laughs> No, they're still there, but apparently there's a difference between one one section and another. So without boring you, we normally allocate half a dozen bottles uh, to our guests. Now, we've been doing this for three years. Mal Brown was our very first. We've sent, he sent two letters of intent so far. We've been sued by him. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you, we have, uh, they are yours. Uh, but don't hold your breath waiting for them because Mal's still waiting for his three years ago. Leon's got a garage. He lives in Carlton, uh, if you're looking for him. Not far from that opulent edifice that you're associated with. Mate, where are you staying at the the, the Park Hyde or somewhere up there in this penthouse at the moment? He's got his having a weekend away with his lovely wife. And he's got eight children, you know, uh, Grant, four of each. Yes, no, when I, I say four know, boys and four girls, I didn't say. Yes, four of each, four yeah. boys, four girls, four all going very well. All going very well, Zed. I tell you what, uh, the early years must have been. Well, he's doing very well now, but you got to question whether the early years might have been slightly more frugal, given the fact that a large number in the family. But anyhow, that's irrelevant. Uh, so there's half a dozen bottles coming your way, uh, Grant. Uh, I tell you what, I'll, uh, send them to Brownie with my love. <laughs> oh no, don't even mention Brad Brownie. Oh. He hasn't got a sense of humour when it comes to, you know, O's. Uh, we got three bottles of white and three bottles of red. Uh, oh, you're making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, send him six bottles. There'd be nothing in them. <laughs> but anyhow. Uh, Grant, thanks for being with us on Sport and Life. Uh, it's Thanks, joy, guys. Joy really appreciated the time and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Good on you. Grant Thomas joining us there on Sport and Life.